Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions while he gave me the teachings I share here. Most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidanandam Huttaye Nishprapanchaya Shandaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhakta Kayaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self. Your own beingness, your own isness, your own shivaness, your own self. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. Aham. I am. Aham. This Sanskrit word expresses the throb of consciousness that underlies the existence of the universe, the pulsation that gives life to both the universe and to you. Aham. I am. You know that you am. You can even whisper to yourself, I 
and you know it's true. The human dilemma is that instead of feeling complete within your own I amness, you focus outward on how to be. You live in the future, how you will improve your life, or even how you will improve you. Or maybe you live in the past, where you used to be, what used to be going on, and all that makes you feel imperfect, scared, and needy. And then you say, that's just how I am. And I know where it came from and whose fault it is. You may even be trying to live in the present moment, but unfortunately you're comparing it to how you think it should be. If it's snowing, you think it should be sunny. If it's hot, you think it should be cool. If it's dry, you think, well, we need rain. It's the comparison that undermines your happiness. I mean, hello, it's the weather. You have absolutely no control over the weather. So why object? You just go with the flow. So wait a minute. Could that maybe apply to your whole life? Yes. But it doesn't mean that you give up. With life, just like weather, you have to choose if you're going to go out in it or not, and what clothing will be best for it. So in life, you choose whether to charge forward or maybe even back up and bide your time. But objecting to what's going on makes no sense. It's like thinking the weather should be different than it is. What a waste. Please, please do something more constructive with your time and mental energy. All of this looking outward plus all of your reactions to everything make you lose your sense of Self, your ahamness, your I amness. It's not actually lost. You're just looking away. It's like the story of my guru and the shrew. This shrew is not a cranky woman. <laughs> In India and other tropical areas, shrews are little critters that look like long-nosed mice. They're related to hedgehogs, but much smaller. My guru was sitting outside and chatting with a group of students. I was not among them, but heard the story later. My guru said, I'll explain the mystical meaning of the syllable ya in our mantra, Om Namah Shivaya. But then everybody jerked their heads and turned away because the dog started barking and chasing a shrew across the courtyard. The students all laughed and shared comments about the event. And then they turned back to listen to the teaching. And my guru said, you're not ready. What? What? Not ready? Really? Bottom line, if you'd rather watch a dog chase a mouse, you're still more interested in the world than in the mystical teachings, or the mantra, or the self, 
which is your own I amness, you are so easily distracted. This is why the great beings try to awaken us. It is the task of the guru to awaken those who are lost in delusion. My Baba quoted one of the great poet saints of India, dear one, awake. Oh, ignorant one, awaken now. The net of delusion has been cast, flee from it. Give up the company of desire, anger, lust, and the ego. See your own true self. Love the Guru's feet. This is the value of the Guru, to awaken you to your own self, your own I amness. And as important as the Guru's words are, the energy they emit, the energy they share with us, is even more important. The poem points you to the Guru's feet, because that's where the strongest current of energy flows out. This is why I took every opportunity to bow at my Guru's feet in the years that I lived with him. Every day, I got to lower my head below my heart and drown in the divine current of grace again. With my head there, I was no longer distracted. I was riveted to the reality of my own I amness, which was and is the same as Baba's I amness. Aham. I am. There is only one being all. Aham is the primordial throb that brings this universe into existence. Before aham, I am, there was only I. Before the throb, there was only beingness, the primordial reality that was not throbbing, not vibrating, not doing anything, simply being. I'll call it amming. We call this primordial beingness by the Sanskrit name Padmashiva. Abiding within his own beingness, Padmashiva was and is full, complete, whole, perfect, self-knowing, and expansive. encompassing all, except there is no all, for we're talking about Padmashiva before he created the universe. Except that Padmashiva isn't a he. If there's no universe yet, there's no gender. There's no he or she, no I or it, for there is only beingness being. English doesn't have words for this. That's why I use the Sanskrit term, Paramashiva. So I'll call Paramashiva he simply because we're working within the English vocabulary. 
abiding in his own beingness for eternal time, time beyond time. Technically in the timeless space of pure beingness, Shiva decided to vibrate. That vibration is Om, which is included in every yogic mantra, including our own. So now you have part of the mantra, Om, along with Shiva and the Ya at the end, Shivaya. And I'll explain more later. So Parama Shiva, abiding in his own beingness, decides to move within himself. Being beingness in a state of movement. We call this movement Shakti, meaning energy. It is the primordial energy that becomes the universe, including you and me. Shakti energy is called she. Padmashiva beingness gets a new name when he starts moving. Padmashiva is now called Shakti and the movement is called Shakti, except the movement is really Shiva. It's just Shiva moving. In stillness, Shiva is called he. In movement, Shiva is called she, Shakti. And she, who is Shiva, is the mother of the universe, the divine being who births the universe into existence. It's all made of energy. It's all made of Shakti. Who is Shiva? The ancient sages saw all this, the origin of the universe, and its process of manifestation by looking inward. How is this possible? It's possible because the origin of the universe is your own origin. And the process of manifestation is going on inside you in every moment. You are Shakti embodied as an individual and all of this lies inside you. That's the purpose of meditation, to explore within, all the way to your own source, Shiva, Parama Shiva, Self. I described it this way in my teachings article for this month. The reason the yoga calls your inherent divinity by the name self is because it is your sense of I am. That is your own self. This is the true goal of all the practices. The reason to do poses, to meditate, to receive Shaktipat initiation, and to have a guru. So you find you. My guru described it this way, Mukta Ananda, speaking to you intimately by calling you by his own name, Mukta Ananda. When you find yourself within, you will see that the world exists because you exist. 
then you will understand that the only worthwhile effort is toward self-realization. When you find yourself within, you find your own shivaness, your own I amness. It is this beingness, which is you, that is being all. Because of this primordial existence, the world exists. And this primordial existence is you, O Shiva. Okay, so we've traced from Padma Shiva to Shiva and Shakti. Padma Shiva, the primordial ever existent reality, who decided to move within himself, being the movement and the one who is moving. Shakti is Shiva in movement. There is only one. The movement is the vibration which we hear as the primordial Om. It's really not about chanting Om. It's about hearing it inside. This vibration is the subtlest level of manifestation that our human senses can perceive. It's an inner sound. In the beginning, it might sound like silence the sweet sound of profound silence. But then you find, at even a more subtle level, the ever-reverberating sound of Shiva. Om. It's a vibration, not a pulsation. Vibration is movement without rhythm. Pulsation is movement with rhythm. Shiva created it. Well, Shiva, moving within his own being as Shakti, decided to play back and forth between the movement and the stillness. Pulsation. Ah, hum. Ah, hum. Ah, hum. Ah, hum. Ah, hum. Om becomes aham, the throb of consciousness pulsating within itself. I described it this way at the beginning of my discourse. This Sanskrit word expresses the throb of consciousness that underlies the existence of the universe, the pulsation that gives life to both the universe and to you. Aham, I am. From aham, Shiva, Shakti, together, take on qualities. Being light, being dark, being up, being down, being happy, being sad, being female, being male. Oh, and the drama begins. Shiva, Shakti, become all that exists, each with different qualities at the fore yet with only one essence inside. You are that essence. You are Shiva. You are Parama Shiva. But you get caught up in the qualities. 
This is called Aham, the individual. Shiva in the primordial throb of consciousness becomes the individual Aham, I am. But it also includes Idam, I-D-A-M, Aham and Idam. Idam is the objects that are not you. Om becomes all that exists, including you and including all that you perceive through your senses and all that runs through your mind. These are idam. All of these are objects. This is called the objective world. You live in a world of objects that you perceive as being different and separate from you. They're all made of Shiva but you see them as being separate and different from you. And then you want some objects, even some people, while you don't want other objects and other people around. You complain about them, just like you complain about the weather and everything else. Truly, if you stopped complaining, you'd actually have nothing to talk about. Try it sometime. <laughs> Aham and Idam. You get all caught up in the objects, distracted from your own ahamness. Yoga gives you tools to turn your attention within, techniques to draw your awareness into a steady stream of pure consciousness. So you experience the inner bliss that tells you you're nearing your own self. The bliss is a quality of beingness a symptom that you are deepening within. To find this, you need to quit chasing the distractions. Baba told a story that illustrates this. A seeker went to visit his guru every weekend. After working and taking care of his family all week, he went for the Sunday satsang, like our Swami Sunday. The seeker sat quietly, with his spine upright yet relaxed. He chanted with the chant and listened attentively to the teachings. He came up in the darshan line at the end and bowed respectfully, accepting the blessed treat that is given out at this time. One day, the guru had received a gift from someone in the darshan line. So he turned to this seeker and he said, take this gift over to the window and give it to the person there. And the seeker said, what window? The guru said, that window, just over at the side of the room here, you can see it from where you sit every week. People are taking things there for me, even during the program. People are coming and going. The seeker said, really? I've never seen it. Where is it? I was watching only you, Guruji. And the guru said, very good. When you find your own fullness of being, which is your own self, you won't notice what other people are doing or saying. They don't make you be who you are. You already are. You already am. Aham. I am. I am. But when your mind catches hold of the dom, something outside of you, you take aham 
to be an incomplete sentence. You think it is, I am fill in the blank. I am my parents' daughter or son. I am a brother or sister. I'm a window washer. I'm a baker. I am an artist. I am a computer programmer. Or maybe I'm a hard worker. I'm a man of leisure. Or I'm a dog owner. Or I am a loner. Or I am sociable. And then when you do things you like, or when you're good at what you do, you feel good about yourself. And when you're not doing so well at it, you feel bad about yourself. Or when you get what you want from your relationship, you feel good. And when not, then not. This is called ahankara, ego. It means you're constructing a substitute sense of self from what you do. Literally, ahankara means I am, aham, kara, what I do. It is a superficial sense of self where you patch yourself together based on what you think that other people think of what you do. Well, I think I should repeat that. It's a superficial sense of self where you patch yourself together based on what you think other people think of what you do. Oh my God, is this crazy making or what? <laughs> this is why the world is so crazy. Everyone's trying to create a sense of self by looking at what everyone else is doing to create a sense of self. When the self, which is consciousness itself, is within, waiting to be found. You are you. You are you while you're doing things, and you are you while you're not doing things. There's only one you, only one aham, only one essence of beingness, which is your own being. You am. I am, I am, aham, aham. It's not merely that you get caught up in things, idam, objects, and other people. You can get entangled in your own mind. In fact, most of your bondage is created by your own mind twining you up in knots. Why do you love the reruns in your mind so much? The Spandakarikas explains this. It describes that you have three ways of knowing things. When you're experiencing pain and pleasure, you get lost in the experience. This is duality. In memories, your knowing is both dual and non-dual. You are aware that you are the one who had the experience. In the awareness of your own self, your knowing is non-dual. Shiva knows Shiva. You know your own self and all that the self is being. 
Let's look at what the sage Vasagupta is talking about, dual and non-dual. Dual is when om becomes aham and idam, you and the objects you perceive. That's dual. Padmashiva moves within his own beingness, the vibration of beingness, om which is Shiva moving, being Shakti. Shakti is moving Shiva. Then Shiva and Shakti set up the pulsation. Om becomes aham, 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 aham. I am, I am, I am, I am. And that I am becomes many different amnesses, each one of which is amming. When you are amming, you are aham, the individual. But when you look at me and I'm amming, you see me as idam, as an object that is different from you. That's dual, there's you and there's everything else. That's duality. When you look at me, you don't see my divine essence, not yet anyway, simply because you don't see your own divine essence. God bless you. Simply because you don't see your own self. And when you find your own self within, you find that you are the one who is being all. There is nothing other than you, beingness itself, being all. But mostly, you get caught up in idam, the objects, all the objects, even in your thoughts, duality. You get distracted from the self. Unlike the disciple sitting with his guru, you're watching the people coming and going from the window instead of paying attention to the guru. Instead of paying attention to your own divine essence, your own self. When you're perceiving objects in the world, you like them or you dislike them. You react to them. Even in the brief snowstorm we had here yesterday, you say, oh, look at that big puffy snowflake just floating through the air. I like it. You pick out which snowflakes you like compared to the others. And then you dislike the others. You live in your reactions, like and dislike, you experience pain and pleasure. This is duality. You're focused on the thing you're reacting to, totally entwined in the object. You become the thing you're focused on. You become your pain. You become your pleasure. There's no you anymore. There's just the thing you're experiencing. This is one way of knowing things. This is called normal. This is what most people do most of the time. But you have other options. I've just described duality. Now I'm going to describe from the Karika, from the Sutra, dual and non-dual together. And the Sutra uses memory 
as an example of this. Memory is different. When you remember an experience you had in the past, then you are the one who is remembering that thing. You have the object in your mind, and simultaneously you are being the one who is remembering. It's easier to see that you were there, that there is the object of your memory and there is you, the one who had the experience and is remembering it now. You review things that happened in the past over and over again, but inside you're the one who's seeing. Them. Instead of getting entangled in the memory, you can see that you are the one who has the memory. You are more than your memories. You are more than what you do. You are more than where you live or who you know. You are more than who you used to be. And you are growing into who you really are. Shiva, Parma Shiva, Aham, I am. So when you're reviewing memories, you have this sense of self. It's kind of an echo in there. Let's go back to the teaching from the sutras. There are three ways of knowing things. When you're experiencing pain and pleasure, you get lost in the experience. That is duality. I've explained that. In memories, your knowing is both dual and non-dual. You are aware that you are the one who had the experience. In the awareness, the third one, in the awareness of your own self, your knowing is non-dual. Shiva knows Shiva. You know both your own self and all that the self is being. So I'm going to go through it again. New stuff. you got to go through it a few times. First, when you're having the experience, you're usually lost in the pleasure or pain of it. Do you understand this? Oh, yes, you understand it far too well. In remembering a past experience, you can see that you are the one who has the memories. There is you and your thoughts. Both are there at the same time. This is why you love to review the same stupid stuff over and over, because hidden in all those thoughts, there's a deeper sense of self that you can't quite get your fingers around it. You've got dual and non-dual. Object and self are both there, present in your memories, but you can't quite get a handle on the self. But it's the closest you get to the self, unless you actually have some training and help. This experience is also accessible while you're having an experience. It is possible to know that you are the one who's having the experience while you're having the experience. But mostly people get into this interdimensionality when reviewing memories. Yet there is a third way of knowing, to be aware of your own self. For this, you turn your attention inward. 
to honor your own self. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. I honor my own self. I bow to my own divine essence. I worship my own shivaness. And turning your attention in and taking the help of the mantra deepens you into yourself, knowing yourself. For Shiva, who is you, is self-knowing. Then there's only one of you in there. When you know your own self, you are you, even when you're doing things. And you are you, even when you're not doing things. Oh, Shiva, how could you stop being you? So how do you use this sutra in practice? In practice, in life, you get caught up in things. And then you remember. Oh, and when you have a memory, it's easier to find self than when you're lost in the activity. So then when you remember what you remember, oh, the best thing to remember is Om Namah Shivaya. And you remember the mantra. You use your memory to remember the mantra and you fill your mind with Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Fill your mind with mantra even when you're busy. Fill your mind with mantra when you're meditating. Because when you're remembering something, it's easier for you to know that you are the one who remembers. That's the self. That's your own beingness. Aham. I am. I am. I am. Shiboham. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha.